every now and then I think you might like to hear something from us. Nice and easy. But there's just one thing, you see. We never, ever do nothing nice and easy. We always do it nice and rough. And we're going to take the beginning of this song and do it easy. But then we're going to do the finish rough. It's the way we do Proud Mary. the story now. Left a good job in the city. Working from a man every night and day. And I never lost one minute of sleep. And I was worrying about the way the thing might have been. Big wind keep on turning. Ooh, the proud Mary keep on burning. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie. Yeah, I had to let it go for a while. I apologize. That's, no, 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 that, no need to man, apologize. That intro, that's a great. That's one of the greatest intros of a of a song I think I've heard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously I've heard it before, but just saying it's one of the greatest intros I should say in music history. That's a great intro. Yeah. Oh, iconic. Man. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I have it in my Rolling. phone, but I will have it in my phone by the end of the day. Rolling. And you know what? I get—I guarantee you, she's—I um, I haven't looked on Apple and music or anything, but I'm sure that her music uh, downloads are through the roof right now because people oh, are yeah. playing and going. Damn, I forgot how good that song is. Damn, I forgot how good this song is. Uh, all right, so thanks, my man Patrick. New theme Thursday, of course, you know, tribute to an icon and to a diva. R.I.P. to Tina Turner passed away yesterday. Oh man, how how long is that intro total? Now we're about to. I mean, the the nice and easy part. Yeah, like two minutes. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's right up there with that. Uh, like Papa was a Rolling Stone intro. That was a nice one too. It's <laughs> a great intro. Um, I like yeah, that. I'm trying to think of great all time great intros that just took forever. It's like a song in itself. It's a separate intro, like a song by itself. Um, War Pigs is kind of like that. I was trying yeah. to say Metallica has one like is that, that too. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a few like that. It's yeah. just like, oh man, that song kind of shifts and changes on you. Mystical, Mystical does too. This guy one like that too. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You just have some yeah. walk up music. Yeah, He's yeah, a mystical yeah. guy. Yeah, I'm a mystical <laughs> guy. I <laughs> uh, love that. All right, uh, that that got me going right there. So a great tribute. Shout out to my man Patrick. Also. Patrick's birthday, folks. Patrick. B-Day. That's right. Patrick uh, officially getting older and wiser, also getting better. Uh, man, Patrick Davis said celebrating a birthday today, so you can wish him a happy birthday on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. You also can do it via Twitter. Uh, he's at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse, and I'm at Rod Baby. So happy birthday to my man, Patrick. Uh, we always appreciate him. We uh, also, you know what? A blessing in disguise. Uh, yes, it is. Texas baseball loses to K-State. That means they are done for now in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing uh, what happens to them in the next uh, round of the postseason for them. But the um, the good news is, because they lost, we're on tomorrow. Uh, If they had won, I believe we basically would have been off tomorrow. We basically would have. They would have been playing during the show. Absolutely. So I we we were, and I we were went hope- to the game. Yeah, I was saying we were hoping that would have been yes, the case. Yes, oh I yeah, because you had to go to D town anyways. Yes, yes. Oh, they really messed your plans up. They did. That's brutal. And Patrick would have had a four day weekend for his B day. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, what a way to go, Longhorns! Oh, Texas baseball. Once again, the state of Kansas ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ask Charlie Strong. They do that. They have a tendency to do that. They do have a tendency. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. Yep. So Texas baseball, the domino effect yeah. of that loss. Uh, All can, have been affected. Yeah, we continue <laughs> to to feel it. So, but happy birthday to my man Patrick. Uh, but we will be on tomorrow as well. All right, uh, just want to throw it out there. Let's get into the NBA playoffs, gentlemen. We got the Eastern Conference final to get into Boston forcing a game five able to stave off elimination in game four down 3-0 in that series oh I got some good numbers for you guys you guys are gonna like this how about this okay some good numbers you know there's some deep dive research so uh you know that of 150 teams that were down 3-0 we talked about this how many teams were able to force a game four game five and then the game seven you had only uh, of those, so we talked about that, but here's some no, more research about it. Of the 150 teams that were down 3 0, um, 126 of them had a worse record than their opponents. Mm. So the team that was up 3 0, which is a better, better team, all right? Right. Proven that throughout right. the record, they were a better team. The Celtics were 13 games better than the Miami Heat in the regular season. That is the largest differential. For the teams who have been down 3-0 in NBA history. <laughs> 13? Yeah. They were 13 games better. Isn't that? Yeah, so, yes. You are watching something unprecedented. And if they come back, that will also be unprecedented because no team has ever come back uh, down from a 3-0 deficit. Uh, we have seen teams force a game 5. We've seen 44 teams force a game 5. 11 teams force a game 6. And 3 teams force a game 7 out of those previous 150 teams. Uh, so there you go. Miami, how about this? Miami Heat had, you go look at it, um, they had a they a worse regular season record. I just brought that up. Uh, but of the 126 teams that I just talked about that were down 3-0, they had a worse record. Um, basically, the winning percentage is third. The winning percentage differential uh, mm-hmm. between Boston and between Miami Heat, third, third, Biggest difference in winning percentage overall Jeez. of teams that have been down 3-0. So it is uh, something. So like, you're saying there's not a chance, really? Uh, no, well, no, I'm just saying that we haven't seen a team go down 3-0 that's, that's been this much better than the team that has that has the lead in the series. Right, right. Like, the Celtics are much better than the Miami. At least they, during the, going off the regular season record, they were considered to be a much better team than the Miami Heat, and that is not playing out. We're not yeah. seeing that, you know, play out and materialize here in this series. So Fascinating. When I, so when I look at this team, and, <laughs> and a friend of mine is very upset <laughs> that I have kind of gone that way towards him because he and I had a wager and he's a huge Miami Heat fan, and he's been talking about this team for quite some time and how he believes that they have the elements to really push for that title this year. And, you know, a lot of that's Homer. We all looked at mm-hmm. it. But when you watch them play, and I've, I've, I said this before, when you watch them play, there's so much unselfishness that sometimes is dangerous. And every once in a while, you need a guy like a Jimmy Butler or whoever's got it going that night. Bam out of Bayou is the other guy that I really want to see do some more damage. Because remember early, he was trying to tear down the rim on a lot of those dunks. He wasn't doing that this last game. Mm-mm. And maybe it was just because of the energy that the Celtics was playing with. 
And I know that the number of what you were talking about of how much better they are, but I think what we saw the other day was a, a, the guys saying, we're not going to be swept. We saw what LeBron got. We saw the smoke that he was taking. Mm-hmm. Let's not be a part of that. They dialed in because they were acting very cocky. You would have thought they were up three games to none, the way that they were uh, celebrating after dunks and hitting threes. I was just like, my goodness. But tonight, it's over. You think it's over? Oh, it's over. You think Jimmy hit me? Hemi is at that Playoff point. Jimmy now. Yeah. Gets it done tonight. As y'all brought up yesterday, maybe he wanted to go to Boston to beat him. Yeah, we had a text to bring up there like, hey, <laughs> yeah. we think, I think Jimmy's so sick minded. He's like, <laughs> he probably told the guys, because remember, Patrick initially said they played so bad. Yes. It looked like they were trying to throw the second half of the game. <laughs> yeah. And they did. I gave you the numbers. Right. They, it was unbelievable. They missed 12 of 18 shots in the fourth quarter. They missed 14 of 22 uh, in the third quarter. And that's when the texter said, I think their theory was that Jimmy told the team, Nah, guys, I, I want to win it in Boston. Yeah, I don't just to rub it in. Just to rub it in. <laughs> just to is, rub it in. He is that sick man. Yes, yes, he is. He's got the competitive is. sickness, man. I love it. So I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, uh, okay, can I give you a number, another number, too? Because the three-point percentage, guys, has really uh, been fluctuating in this series, or at least it's flipped in this series in Game 4. Um, you go look at it. Boston players made just 29% of their three-pointers in the first three games. Um, they hit 40% in game four, 18 mm-hmm. of 45, five players making at least three three-pointers. And then Miami, who had been making, is it a crazy number? They had been making 47.8, damn near 48% of their three-point shots, guys. Yeah. And they ended up 8 of 32. Let me give you a historical number. So Miami Heat, the Miami Heat hit 50, over 50% of their three-point shots in games one and three. Yeah. Prior to this series, all right, only 13 teams had ever recorded over 50% three-point shots on at least 20 attempts in a conference finals. Mm. And they did it twice. <laughs> That's, yeah. They did it, isn't that crazy? That is unbelievable. Yeah. So that isn't really sustainable. Now, I don't know how much they're going to cool off or if they're going to get hot again. It's going to be really interesting if they just cannot replicate that three-point shooting, what's going to happen going forward. I still think I'm going to put my money, my faith in playoff Jimmy Hemi. But if they can't get that three-point shot working, guys, like they have. And think about it. This is with Tyler Hero, their best three-point shooter, out. Yes. Like, what? how did that happen? There is no way to quantify how hot they are right now from three-point land. We just – we haven't seen it. They were 27th in the NBA in the regular season in three-point percentage. And now they're hotter than they've ever been as a franchise That's hot, in man. the playoffs. It's Crazy. unbelievable. Yeah, but was it in game four that wasn't the case. They cooled off they significantly. Did. They yeah, froze and I up mean, a little and bit. They've had it where a couple of guys have not had a great night on whatever night, but somebody else has stepped up, and it was just everybody had the bad night. On mm-hmm. the same night, mm-hmm. so all you really need is like two or three of those guys to get hot. You don't need five, all five guys that can shoot threes to get really hot. But like if Duncan Robinson hits fifty percent of his threes, and and Struce hits fifty percent of his, then you're like, all right, we're pretty good. We're, we're close now. Yeah, because Jimmy's going to do a lot more of it, and then the rest of it will kind of come. Bam will do his part, but you just need a couple guys to just shoot a high clip of threes, and then those guys will start getting the ball more. The guys who are missing won't take as many. You'll play that unselfish basketball at the Heat play and get the ball in the right places. But it was just everybody was missing on that in game four.
No, you're right. That was yeah. the worst. I, I don't know. I got to go back and look. I don't know if they've shot worse from three-point range in the entire playoffs. I mean, that was really, really bad for the Miami Heat. Um, and getting back to Patrick's point about their, their faith in Jimmy, um, <clears throat> and they should have a lot of faith in Jimmy, play, playoff Jimmy, Hemi, as they call him. <laughs> uh, as Eric Spoelstra said, we are him and he is us. <laughs> that is how we roll. That is how they roll. He, his, his isolation game has picked up um, exponentially in this series. In the first two rounds, Jimmy Butler was averaging 8.3 ISO opportunities per game in rounds one and two. Uh, In this series, he's averaging 18.3. Yep. It's going up 10 isolation opportunities. Uh, Boston, how about this? He's had uh, 73 isolation opportunities. Hell, that's that's more than Brown and Tatum combined. So he's playing a lot of iso ball, and he's winning um, at that iso ball, too. So Jimmy's going to be big in this. Three-point shot's also going to be pretty big in terms yeah. of factors in well, this matchup. Well, here's the other part of it, too, and this is a great point by the texter. They're going to cut their rotation down. They've already had a seven-man rotation, and Vincent, if he's not going to be able to play tonight, he's going to be a huge loss because he has been playing really good around the perimeter this entire time. So what are they going to do to provide depth? I love the challenge that Boston's going to be up against, but I just don't know if they have enough to be able to push it to a game six. It's all about Jason Tatum. Yep. It's that simple. Yep. If Jason Tatum, if he, you know, plays like the best player one the best player in this series, which he's he's possible. He's it's, very capable. He's capable of, of doing that, right? Yep. It's possible he could do that. Um and he what last game thirty four points eleven rebounds seven assists two blocks mm-hmm. I mean he was playing like a a player that was going to will his team to win and as you point out Harge he can't disappear Cannot. in the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter as a matter of fact he needs to assert himself mm-hmm. uh, games one and two because I remember Harge complaining about this when looked at it eleven points combined in the fourth quarter yes zero of three in the fourth quarter, so he wasn't even being aggressive. He had five turnovers also in games one and two combined in the fourth quarter, but game four was his fourth quarter. 11 points, five of seven, zero turnovers, money time. He was money. So he's got to be money in money time because if you're not, you know who is money? Hemi. Hemi is ready to go. (laughs) Hemi is straight cash homie. So, yeah, you got to make sure that in that fourth quarter in clutch time that you are putting your team on your back because Jimmy is certainly going to do that. So I think that's another big factor, too, Yeah, whether Jason Tatum is timid. Yeah. And is he going to share the ball enough to make the right basketball play? We talk about it all the time. Is he so much that he's one-minded and one-sided every time he's taking the ball, he's trying to get to the basket, and and he's not looking to – add other pieces because then Jalen Brown, when he gets the ball, he's not looking to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He will continue to put up shots, and it's like, well, if you're sharing the ball, then I'm with you. If you're not sharing it, I'm going to get mine because there's times where you stall me out half the time when you don't pass me the ball. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can come back and still have that balance. I thought a big, big part of their success, too, was Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. Robert Williams in the paint playing defense – and being physical and making leaning on Bam Adebayo so it becomes a, one of those, not mismatch, but fatigued-wise. Yeah. It becomes a little bit tired. And, I mean, it's just going to be, too, if Missoula can get the, the Celtics Missoula. to have the right attitude going into this. I don't think they've had it for pretty much all of this playoffs. They've walked around like they, they've, already, they've already made the finals. Like it's a foregone conclusion that they're going in there and they, this is their year. They're just mm-hmm. walking around like that, and they have been all playoffs, and it's bitten them a bunch of times, 
and then they ha- they have to come back, get a little bit humbled to come back and win game four, and then they immediately act down 3-1. Yep. <laughs> like, told you. Yeah. Told you. Yep. Do you see, I told you, I'm one of the best, humbly. I'm one of the best <laughs> players of all time. Humbly. Come on, that man. Was a great, that was a funny moment. You can't act all time. Like, you disappeared for three straight games, and then you're going to come back and be like, I told you. Hey, yep. if they if, if they win this game though, it's a series. It is. It's a series. That's I mean, that, you, that's they they just play that mindset, guys. We gotta win. We I, gotta I win do want to see. Yeah. I want to see them win a game without Miami giving it to them, because technically they can still win. Because this is why Miami didn't have the great season is they aren't. You know, they've they have lapses in and are not consistent and missed shots at times throughout the season. So you could technically just basically luck out in that Miami just ran out of steam one game before the finals, but you didn't win game four. Miami lost game four. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were up at half and then basically turned the ball over a bunch of times and missed all their shots. And, yes, you played defense, but you they they played the worst basketball they had played in four games in that second half of game four. So you you can't say, oh, man, we finally figured it out. You go, no, they just missed a lot of open shots. So if they hit those shots, the series is over. So you need to you need to come back into this with that fire under you, and I don't know if Missoula and Tatum and Brown can have that fire. Yeah, that's nah, a good point. I remember that it was a fourteen minute stretch where basically the Miami Heat looked like the Miami Heat for most of the regular season, <laughs> not the Miami Heat we've seen in the playoffs. They were outscored forty eight to twenty two in that stretch. And I think that's kind of what Patrick's talking about. They really kind of that, that's when you could argue they gave the game away. Uh, or you say Boston took the game, whatever you want to say, but I remember that stretch. And to include that third quarter, they were outscored by 15 points. Uh, we haven't seen Miami play that bad the no, entire playoffs. No, right. that's, that was a big number. Yeah, they missed 26 shots in the second half. Twenty. Basically, I think they took 40 shots. They missed 26 of them. And, they yeah. were, and some of them were <laughs> point blank. Yeah. A lot of them yeah. were in the lane, too. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, man, I'm, I'm gonna pick Boston just cause uh, you know I think they I, I think they might end up winning game two, uh, but I think ultimately the Heat win it. I think they'll win it in six. It's over. Uh, it could be over. It's right, over. I, right now. The Boston believes they found something. Like, yeah, Boston yeah, believes a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> could know. be delusion. Yeah, yeah, what's the difference? I think I think Brad Stevens believes Joe Mazzulli is maybe looking for a job in <laughs> in about uh, 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's been a rumor too. They don't know if uh, Boston's going to stick with Joe Missoula when Boston loses. I think they will lose the series. Uh, no. But when they lose the series, whether it's tonight or whether that's uh, game six, I do think it'll happen. If it ends up going to a game seven, anything can happen. But I, I think put, winning the series, I'll put my money on playoff Jimmy. Hemi. Put it on Hemi. Because like he's to about say. to get it down. He's about to get it done. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and Texter did bring up that Gabe Vincent, you brought it up too harsh that uh, he's out. Yeah. So, uh, that is the case. Then they're going to be without one of their uh, their key their key pieces in their rotation. Uh, so one of those undrafted players they keep bringing up, yeah. I, and I've been keeping track of this undrafted number right it keeps now. Keeps going up. They had seven. They're, they're more seven hundred points scored yes. in the playoffs by their undrafted players. That is, of course, the most in the history of the league. And they go. keep adding. Last, well, to last it. fifty years. Last fifty years. And they keep so. adding to it. They Uh-oh. do. They do. Also, <laughs> they got the good news that Tyler Hero is back on non-contact drills. Ooh. So he's not back, back, but, but he put, is. They make it to the finals. So yes, be. he's basically he's on track to be able to play in the finals. That's crazy. Oh man. So that, that, that was the good news is they, that they're starting to bring him back now. That would be scary. Oh, the Miami team sure. adding him to the mix. We talked about how lethal they've been from three-point range, and that's been without arguably their best three-point shooter. And Tyler Harrell. So yeah, 
Wow. All right. We'll see if they can get it done tonight. Uh, so game five, we'll get into another breakdown of that coming up in the six o'clock hour uh, and dive a little bit deeper into uh, that topic. Uh, just real quick. Have you guys been uh, keeping up with this Kyrie Irving stuff? I have just because of weird the, stuff. Going yeah. On the crypticness. Yeah, yeah. He's no. put out some social media messages and, and recently said, leave me alone. Essentially, one of his messages was he leave him alone. Yeah. He's tired of being the topic of conversation um, for for off season fodder, at least for him, because the season's still going on technically. Um, but he says, yes, after the season, when it officially is over, that's when he, he wants the conversation to, to commence. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, don't so. put keep putting yourself out there now. I, so, I, I You know what I'm saying? You're creating the media Buzz now that now that LeBron and those guys are out of it, we may not see him again because I don't think he's tight with a with the Jason Tatum. I don't think he's tight with a Jimmy Butler. I don't think those are guys that he kicks it with where he'll be front row. Uh, you, do you remember his time in Boston? Yeah, it was, that, it was not good. That's he, what I'm saying. Uh, he will. That's right. Because he, he, he just saved the locker off. room when he went back when he was in when he was in Brooklyn and they played in Boston. He saved the locker room. Because he had so many bad memories and, and thoughts there. And that was one of the ones where James Harden was like, what did I get into? Right. This dude is saging the locker room, guys. Yeah. Uh, no, no, that's a big – obviously, Mavs fans are a little uh, concerned um, whether they can um, bring him back. I think he's open to it, but um, – a lot of the conversation now about Kyrie Irving. He doesn't like it. Put yeah. The whole point of it. He's not. He's not cool with the conversation. Um, all right. What you got coming up for the people in Hard Knock Life? I'm gonna talk about this former first round pick, professional baseball player, that kind of gives you a behind the scenes look at what truly happens after the draft. After the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Is it good or bad? Uh, it's a little bit of both. It's an educational piece. Uh. All right. I'm yeah. looking forward to getting educated. Yeah, I know. Um, I know you like this education. We'll get into that little education <laughs> for y'all. Uh, talking hardball with hardball coming up next on Harsh Knock Life right here on Ball Don't Lie, one hundred four the Horn. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks. But in front of y'all, I'm gonna speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. And the new theme is uh, Tina Turner. Tina Turner passed away yesterday. Um, and Patrick, what better way to bring it in to have a new theme than to. Honor Tina Turner with some of her great music, as always. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HardballHard. You can follow my man Rob Babers at Rob Babers. And, of course, you can follow the man that's in charge of all of our themes here at Ball Don't Lie at It's Patrick Davis. Also, and by the way, give him a special birthday shout-out. Today is his birthday, so hit him up on that as well. But hit us on the Specs text line and tell him happy birthday, 512-337-3776. For oldness listeners and new listeners, I wanted to touch on this just a little bit. Um, For those that don't know, I was a second-round pick out of high school, had an opportunity to go play baseball in college and, of course, get drafted during that time. And it was a, a very, very beautiful time for my family, my friends, and everybody that has been following me throughout my career when that draft day comes. And as a high school draft pick, it was even more special because 
Um, it's just one of those other things that happen in the sports. Some guys go to college, they get drafted high. Some guys come out of high school and get drafted high. But it was still, no matter the path that you take, is the draft is so important to anybody that plays any kind of sport. You work your entire yep. life for that. All the traveling with your mom and dad on on trips, taking you to camps, playing on select teams. It's, it's pretty interesting, and it's something that you really work hard for. Everybody can't have that dream or doesn't see themselves as that, but they all want to be that at mm-hmm. some point if you're playing sports and you're trying to compete. Well, there's this story that a lot of people don't really know about what happens after you get drafted. This the hype train, the mm-hmm. road there, everything is is great. And, Rod, you can speak to this as well because when you get drafted, you're excited, you get in there, but now you're just a number and you got to go out there and perform, and that's the thing about it. You can Damn get right. so much room mm-hmm. because of your draft status, and they believe because, hey, we invested money in this young man, but – they also look at you and was like, hey, man, why did we invest money in this? Man? <laughs> you know, they're they're always having those thoughts. So it's either, man, I'm glad we got this good, this dude, or man, God, what did we miss on? Right. Yep. Yep. So this young man, his name is Jacob Taylor. He was a he was the highest paid high school draftee in Major League Baseball history. Wow. He was he got his signing bonus was five five point five million dollars. He signed at 18, he made his major league debut at 20, and was hanging on to my career by the age of 25. Now, here's here's where it's really interesting because professional sports, it definitely is one of the greatest jobs you could possibly have. It is an amazing, amazing thing, and I'm excited when for everybody that's ever been able to lace them up as a professional athlete. It's, a, it's so good. Mm-hmm. But you don't always get to see – the struggles you don't get to see. We just now started getting hard knocks, right? We're getting. We went. It was at the debut of the ride, yep. Right, and so that's going to be coming out, and I want y'all to make sure that y'all talk about that and see that as well because it, it it moved me and Rod because of these athletes and what they go through, and the, every time they get in there, they're putting their life on the line. We're playing a sport that. Yeah, football, you do put your life on the line. Baseball, you got your life in other people's hands because they're throwing 100 miles an hour, mm-hmm. hit you upside the head, anything <laughs> can happen. But you don't know everything that goes into it on the other side, all the work, all the training, everything that goes into it. So here's the interesting part about this story that this young man uh, went through. He's And he, he wrote this so eloquently, and I, that's why I want to share it. It said, you're flying blind. The Major League Draft is like a Houdini's black box. You never know what is going to happen. Teams know everything, agents know pieces, and the players know nothing. <laughs> so as you're sitting there and you're waiting, and you're like, who's going to draft me? Who's going to draft me? <laughs> You've you seen it at the, in, the, in the NFL draft just oh, yeah. recently. Everybody's trying to figure out what's up. Then he says in the second one, you need, need to know only. That means it's, you, we're just going to tell you what you need to know. We're not going to give you all the information. And as a once you get in a professional world, period, that's what happens too. You you're walking in the dark, you think everything's good, then boom, it's getting pulled from underneath you and you're like, wait, what just happened? Why didn't we know about that? So then he says leverage is everything. To get paid in the NF oh, excuse me, in the draft, you must craft a story that excludes leverage. I mean, you have. I mean, you have to have your leverage, mm-hmm. or else it's not going to be able to be negotiated. And that's kind of what he was talking about. And then he says the red carpet. 
It only lasts for two days. Yeah, for real. Don't get That's, it twisted. Do not like get that. it twisted. He's like, you got the draft euphoria. It'll last for about 48 hours. Mm-hmm. You went from a high schooler to a big leaguer. So you thought, I went to rookie ball. And you thinking, man, I'm a pro baseball player. Wait, mm-hmm. I'm only going to get paid 200 bucks a month when y'all take this out my check for a place that you're making me stay at? Oh, man, this is how this works? Man, I, I thought I was your guy. Nope. You become that number. You become a part of it. And then he says five million. Uh, he said millions of the dollars can change everything, but it also can change nothing. He said he got his first check. He got one point two million dollars in thirty days. It changed everything. Yet I woke up on day thirty one, and I felt the same. Nothing changed. Nothing has gone on. Yes, you're getting paid for your services and what your your abilities gave you, but now it mm-hmm. is work. Yeah. You get to you get hired, but now your job is to not get fired. And we've all been there. We're we get hired. Mm-hmm. Your job is to not get fired. <laughs> and then he says, you know, what people don't truly understand is the taxes. Now, obviously, as we've gotten older, we realize it during those times. Uncle it's Sam. not you, you're not educated near as much mm-hmm. on certain things. And you got to make sure you have the right people in your corner. Yep. You have to have those people to help you walk you through this. Then he goes on and he says, year one, the money traps. You know, you start, you're thinking the money's going to be there forever. And then all of a sudden the money is moved and it's not Mm -hmm. what it used to be because, yes, you brought it up. Those taxes, they get you right off the rip. No doubt. You're in a different tax bracket Mm -hmm. before when you're 18 years old. So now you're like, ooh, so now I'm in a disc price range and now I got to do this, I got to do that. So you start learning quickly. Then you understand about the travel. You're not jet setting, you're riding buses, baby. <laughs> you're riding buses unless you're in the big leagues and in the minor leagues and AAA, you get to fly certain places, but double A, mm-hmm. riding the bus. Single A, riding the bus. Rookie ball, riding vans making sure that the coach can get you there. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at so many different things, and at the end of it all, you have to be a winner in order to stay in this game. You have to find a way. You got, and it, When you get that type of money, a lot is expected of you. You have to perform at a very high level. You don't want people second-guessing you. Mm-hmm. So then your mental part of it, if you're struggling, your mental aspect of it is like, man, I used to be so good. What am I doing wrong? And if you've never had failure, hmm. like perfect example, Kyler Murray. He never failed. He never failed. And then he had adversity, and he didn't know how to handle it with the, with the Sam uh, Ellinger deal on the middle of the field. That was the first time that young man had lost as a starter. It's crazy. Think, I mean, and you play baseball, he's been doing all this stuff, so he was in a position to where he wasn't used to that. To where it's like, wait, how do I? How am I supposed to act? And it's, it happens, and it wears on you, and then your mentality changes. So, as good as a lot of these kids are, and myself, I was part of the draft, and some of the kids that I've talked to throughout my career when I was coaching, and I've had a couple kids get drafted in the first through fifth round. It's a tough, tough road to hoe, but you have to be ready to do so. And no matter what it is, whether it's NFL, whether it's NBA, whether it's you get coming out of the University of Texas or pick your college and you're going to a new job, you are going to have challenges. And the message is continue to fight but know your worth. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know your worth, figure it out. You have to. 
because that is the only negotiating power that you will ever have. And you only get it a couple times in your life where you are the master negotiator. Got all the leverage. And you're speaking for yourself. Mm -hmm. But how do you get it? You put your work in so people have to look at you a certain way. So I thought this guy's story was fascinating. His name is uh, Jacob uh, Jacob Turner. He was a first-round pick. He's a, he's a wealth management now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he's always about to so say he's, cash uh, on Yeah, me. so he's, hmm. he understands now. So it's a very, very interesting story. And I just think that a lot of people, when you look at these kids that are going to get their draft opportunity or some that don't, but going into the regular workforce and being able to know your worth is the most important thing that you can possibly have. Yeah, no, it is. That's that's interesting. And I think another thing that you know athletes struggle with, um, in addition to that, that kind of shock factor that when you draft that euphoria, you talk about, I love the way he described it too, um, that when you do transition from the sports world to the real world, as we like to, as I like to say, um, you how the the skills transit translate and transition right. as well like right. you did learn skills a lot of guys just don't Absolutely. know how to describe those skills they don't know how to quantify them uh, and they also don't know how to transition them and translate them uh into another part of their you know professional experience so, right uh I'm, I, that was pretty good what where was that article at it was on uh he's got it on his twitter page and it's called the sudden his uh twitter handle is at the sudden wealth oh i like that yeah the sudden wealth, because that's exactly what it was. It is. It was like, man, I went from nothing to five or th- five and a half million dollars. Yeah. Five and a half million dollars. That's a different draft day than what I had, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, the, the draft, the, the draft, the guys are getting paid a lot different than the slot I was drafted. I would look at the slot I was drafted every year and go, damn. Yeah, exactly. I just been a little later in yeah. life. I could have Like had my slot. mama was fast out there, had me early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, to be a little bit older when she had exactly. me. Exactly. Could have got a lot more straight cash, homie. No, that's yeah. good stuff there, man. And I, I think uh, writing pieces like that. It's important because you keep the cycle. There's a cycle that mm-hmm. athletes, unfortunately, a lot of athletes have to go through. And it is a, at times, can be a kind of destructive one as well yep. when they try to transition from the sports world to the real world. Um, and it's columns like that that uh, allow people like you who went through a very similar experience mm-hmm. um, to be able to relate. And also for the young people who are going to go through it, um, hopefully they get some of that wisdom. No doubt. That, so they know how to handle that moment. That's a big. He's right about all that too. And then I feel I remember some of that too from yeah. my experience. It's a blessing and a curse. It is. It's um. It's human nature. Yeah. Right to have that. I think Nick Saban calls it the success flu. Yeah. Um. He's like you never want to get the success flu with that moment where you believe you've made it to the top of the mountain. You can exhale. You can. Um. And then that that moment of comfort and complacency oftentimes can be a curse. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, man, you can't relax for a moment. No. Nope. <laughs> no, because psychologically that acts almost like a cancer and a virus yes. in your in your sports character cuz think you've been grinding for so long and to have that relaxation and to look around and go all right so I don't have to worry about money anymore for a while. Woo. Thank God. That would, right. That's a driving force. That is. I mean, money, is. money Mayweather has a great advantage in all of his uh, fights recently. Uh, not anymore anymore because he's retired. But, like, go look at like, his last, like, 15, 20 fights. All of his opponents were having their biggest payday ever because he's Money Mayweather. It was their yep. biggest fight they ever had. And they would get that payday. They'd get that payday before the fight. Yeah. They'd already know. And as Bernard Hopkins once told me, you know, fighting, fighters come from poverty. 
That p- fighters, majority it's, it's of them, rare yeah. that you get a fighter from an affluent household and from wealth. Because why the hell would you want to fight for a living? They exactly. don't want to do that. You're not sitting no. up in there at the uh, country club, yeah. fighting. You fight for a living because <laughs> yeah. you have to. It's the same thing like honestly, bull riding kind of like that too. Uh, absolutely. Either you're a family legacy bull rider, or like you kind of came from being cowboy way in the culture, and like, I'm going to bull riding. It's what nope. it is. Nope. Um, and that that, but going back to Money Mayweather. Them getting that paycheck, them getting that big, the biggest payday of their career right before the biggest fight of their life, that is not coincidental. Correct. That is psychological mm-hmm. warfare by Money Mayweather. He's so smart. He's <laughs> it's like, so oh, no, smart. Just so, you, so, just so you know, before the fight, you and your wife and mom are celebrating yep. because y'all never have, y'all have generational wealth and never have to worry about money again. And Money Mayweather's thinking about taking your head off. Because he wants straight cash, <laughs> yeah. homie. And, and he put a lot of money on himself to beat you. Yeah, and you're almost, <laughs> you're almost thankful for right. that. You're like, damn, I'm glad he put that money in my paycheck, my, my bank account, man. We feel yeah. good. Y'all feel good? Yeah, feel good. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to go out there with Did that same me? intensity, yeah. man. Yeah, So I Head swole up, looking that, like a pumpkin yeah, head. Exactly. That's, so that's essentially, that's obviously a different example of it, but that's kind of what he's talking about, that moment. You got to avoid that. Yep. You got to sort of stay focused on the stay mission on the at mission. hand. Yep. Yeah, which is the grind, because the grind is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Once you once you don't once you get uncomfortable with the grind, you remember you got you got uncomfortable with the grind. Yeah, I, I mean, remember when it, it became too much for me. I was like, I can't do it. the grind is too like, much man, for me. I got to move around. Exactly. Right? Yeah. How many kids I got? Yeah, exactly. I got to get home, man. I got to get home because life gets yeah. in the way of the grind. Exactly. Life becomes the grind. Yep. Used to be the grind was all I knew. And then life becomes the grind. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant said it best too. He said, "Man, I can't be a great." the greatest basketball player on the planet and be the greatest father and be the greatest husband and be a great friend to all of y'all. I can't. There's only 24 hours in a day. And I'm devoting most of that to being a great basketball player. No doubt. <laughs> and I, 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 and, and I got to be a great father. So yep. then I got the other 10 hours devoted to being a great father. Yep. So all that, by the time I'm done with being a great father and being a great uh, basketball player, my wife is upset because I, I devoted the least amount of time to being a great husband. Mm-hmm. And after that, the rest of y'all, I can't be y'all's friend. I ain't, I ain't got, got that kind of time. That's right. I ain't got the kind <laughs> of time, that, man. It's the, it's the same conversation. Yeah. He's at different, spec, different ends of the spectrum. Agreed. I love that. I love that stuff. That's good Agreed. stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll come back. Oh, this is great. How about this, guys? We've been talking about Jimmy Butler. He's become a superstar here in these playoffs. We found out, and we have audio courtesy of my man Patrick, of how Jimmy Butler ironically became a fan of country music. I'm not I'm not BSing. It's outstanding. It's a, you're gonna hear it and it's unbelievable. We'll tell you we'll play that we'll come back off the record right here on Ball Don't Lie Wonderful Nine Horn. D D Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get the brain the head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. So, uh, Jimmy Butler, who is becoming, I mean, Jimmy Butler was already a star among, you know, basketball fans. Everybody knows who Jimmy Butler is. But now, Jimmy Butler's getting, <laughs> and Patrick, you, you obviously, you're a little bit more immersed in the NBA community. By the way, Patrick's celebrating a birthday today, so wish him a happy B-Day via the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Do you feel this uh, Jimmy Butler starting to get like the Chuck Norris treatment almost? 
Yeah, now, is that with the MJ story now about maybe, maybe he, that's his daddy? That's you know, good. That's good. Yeah, right? that's yeah. Good. I can see that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's weird. That's like it's like you know, I I feel that he's gonna be Chuck Norris level pretty soon with the jokes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but the MJ, like this MJ story that I think I thought it was just a joke. This conspiracy theory that people say that he's MJ's son because he doesn't know his dad. <laughs> that's pretty freaky too. That people are like running away with that, and that's gonna become like one of the uh, kind of pop culture yep. controversies and conspiracy theories surrounding Jimmy Butler. But anyway, so Jimmy Butler, uh, there's now a lot of different stories coming out about Jimmy Butler, and this one was buried. I had never heard this. Have you heard this before, Patrick? No. This is so weird. I thought it was fake when I first read it. I was like, oh, this is an Onion article story. No. And then I found the audio. So it's wrong. So he, he went on a podcast seven months ago called Alo Yoga. Mm-hmm. All right. And he was opened up about a ton of different stuff on this podcast. Um, you can go check it out. It's on YouTube over there. Go check it out. And on this podcast, he talks about his experience um, as a country music fan and how he became a country music fan. He even talked about going to concerts with different country music artists and all that kind of stuff. This is a little shocking. And it turns out, and I'll let him break it down for you. He did not want to be a country music fan. Um, it's something that happened to him. I'll let Jimmy explain. I, um, I do love country music. Um, I'm actually, you know, working on a country music album now. So um, I go to Nashville on Monday. Go to Nashville Monday for a day to um, write a couple more songs. But it, it, it actually didn't start. I am from Texas um, in the country, but I didn't like it whenever I was uh, in Texas in high school. My senior year of of college, I went to Marquette University. Um, I didn't go there because D. Wade went there. Yes, he did go there, but I had no idea that he went there. Anyways, on to the story. Everybody was, before the game, everybody was listening to those, uh, like the Beats by Dre at that point in time. They weren't wireless. They had that thick cord, and they were just, like, obnoxiously loud. And they wouldn't put them on their ear. They would, like, put them right here, and you could hear it. So it was, like, Lil Wayne coming from one of my teammates, Young Jeezy, Wiz Khalifa. And so I was like, why don't y'all turn that down? Like, what's the point of having on headphones if you're not going to have them on your head? And they were like, no, don't worry about it, man. Worry about what's coming out of your headphones. So I said, okay. We win the game. After the game, I go home and I, I Google what's the most country song there is. And it's like three popped up. But the one that I saw first was... um. Tim McGraw, Don't Take the Girl. And so I download it, and I go into um, the next game, and I have my headphones like that, and that's what I'm blaring. And they were like, yo, no, you can't listen to that. Turn it down. And I said, no, you listen to what's in your headphones. I'm going to listen to what's in mine. And then I actually started to listen to the lyrics in the song, and I was like, wow. You liked it. <laughs> Poor guy. And then it just took off, and now I'm, I'm a huge fan. That's incredible. That's mm-hmm. when it started. True story, yeah. Wow, man. Senior year at Marquette. Wow. That is a great story, though, that he was trying to taunt his teammates and troll his teammates with what he thought was the, uh, you know, the kind of, I don't know, the the most annoying country song, I guess you could taunt them with. And he ended up liking it after listening to the lyrics. And now he's a huge country music fan. I love that Jimmy wow. White, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is just <laughs> an old uncle. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. all he is. He just... He's that like he came up and he's like, put the headphones on your head. <laughs> that is something dad would say. Boy, why are your headphones on your head? 
Exactly. Why you got him on yeah. the top? Why you got him on the top? I know that's what I said. I want to hear too. that Wiz Khalifa's <laughs> Khalifa's. Yeah, I wonder who's favorite. Yeah, because was he? So he he didn't want to hear all of their music. I wonder who his favorite artist was at the time, or who he was jamming, wow. or was he jamming anybody? Was Jimmy just Jimmy well, just? Because I know I Jimmy know was said, listening to Jimmy Hendrix probably. <laughs> you know well, what and they said like they were one of the players was talking about it the other day about Jimmy gets to play all the music in the locker room. Oh, uh, well, of course, and he does. they're like. They're like it's weird. Like he'll play Justin Bieber or he'll play something. Like he'll just. It's like it's wow. completely all over the map. Interesting. And well, now he's hold on. Do we have access to this country music song he's making? Oh, or made? You, oh no, not, that he made, no, not the one he made. Okay, we got to figure this we gotta, out. We got to some research. He's recording now because he's. This was a this podcast was some few months ago. Oh. So he's either recording or they're editing. That's why I was like, we how he know he's he gonna, gonna go have? he's gonna have the first uh, country diss track. He's just gonna have a whole country song called the Celtic Blues. Yeah, he might. I'm sure some country music fan is gonna tell us there's been plenty of country music diss tracks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that we've been missing somehow. Okay, well, as long as we... you understand, don't take Jimmy Johnson. Take Tommy <laughs> no, no. Thompson. Okay, so I want to hear this. Can we hear this uh, song? Oh. I am. I, I am not familiar with this. This is song. my karaoke song. This, this is this is my karaoke. This song. is the song that made Jimmy Butler love. Oh my music. God! This is outstanding. This is why he fell in love with it. My crib is listening right now. Y'all know this is my jam. Really? Yeah. All right, let me hear it. Was taking me fishing. What? And he was eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Little girl came through the You know, Rod. Sometimes I'm happy I'm not from the two five four. Wow. Yeah. From the five one two. And this is your karaoke jam. Just watch this. Wow, this is the best part right here. We can't leave her behind. <laughs> oh yeah. Son, I know you don't want her to go. This is my part right here. Someday you'll change okay. your mind. And then he said, take Jimmy Johnson, <laughs> take Tommy Thompson, <laughs> take my best friend Bo. Wow. <laughs> wow. Take anybody that you want this. Oh, man. Long as she don't go. Right, I had no idea this is where we're going tonight. <laughs> I didn't know. Please turn it off. Hey, I told turn you. Turn it off now, please. Turn it off. I, I had no idea it was going to go that badly. Oh, I, I only heard, I've never heard that song before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was my. That was actually my second time hearing it because I had to hear it to send it to Patrick. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. And I did not know, I did not know Harge loved it that much. Oh, my gosh. I That's did my not jam. know that. That's my job. Hey, that was one of my wow. songs. Hey, that was kind of one of my walk-ups. Was it really? No, I'm just I kidding. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't use that. That's too slow. That is too slow. That is yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, yeah. Mac Brown loves stuff like that too. He used to play before the games, he would play a song about um like um uh, let's dance. Remember this? Uh oh come on. Remember Put this? on your red shoes and dance no, with you. No, 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 no. It was it was a country music song. Oh. I don't it was know like, that one. Maybe it was like Shania, Shania Twain or something. I don't know who was saying it. But it was a He weird, seems like he's a it Shania was, it was Twain. Like that, it was like that. It was like like that slow of a song, though. Wow. And he would play it un- before football games. <laughs> he wanted y'all to calm down a little bit. I sw- I'm going to look it up in the break. I'm going to look it up in the break and I'm going to find it. We're not going to play it because it's going to bring the show down. It would bring us down something sometimes. Yo, you tell Hardback, oh, that's my second Oh, that's my, oh man, that's my other one. <laughs> oh, no, I, think it, I think it was I Hope You Dance. Is there a country music song called I Hope You Dance? I have no clue. No. <laughs> Patrick's like, I don't know. Say there. Look. Okay, hey, 
Specs Excellent, is there a country music song that Mac Brown used to play before the games when I played called I Hope You Dance or I Want to See You Dance or something? All right, please let me know. I'm not that much of a country music fan. I do <laughs> like some country music, but I did not know Harge was that into. Oh, yeah. What's the name of that song? That's uh, Don't uh, Take don't, the, don't don't take take the, the girl. girl by Tim McGraw. What is it about? He didn't. The kid did not want anybody else going with him. It was just supposed to be him and dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, right. and, and, and then it got better. And then there were some hard le- life lessons all the way through. And okay. then, boom, all of wow. a sudden. I was, I was hoping it was going to be like a Liam Neeson thing. <laughs> no. I oh, got yeah. a special still <laughs> set of skills. Leanne Womack, I hope you dance. Thank you, Texter. Mac Brown used to play that damn song before we would play football. Come on. <laughs> we played that on. damn song. I swear. Uh, We'd be warming up. He wanted you to play like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well done. We're going to end it on that note. Can't beat that one. It's like Costanza. I want to hide note. All right, we're out. We'll come back right here on Ball Don't Lie. What if we're not the horn?